This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. It's Creature Comforts, the show about you and animals around you. I'm Ezra Wall here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, who's the retired director of the Mississippi State Parks and the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Kevin Farrell is out this week. Our guest is Dr. Kathy Shropshire, and she is uh, the retired director of the Mississippi Wildlife Federation and still very involved there. Today, we'll be talking about the presentations going on around the state about Fanny Cook, and we're also discussing how to pick the right pet for your home. Do you think your family would prefer a dog or a cat or both? We'll talk all about it. You can join the conversation, too, by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Get those emails in to animals at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts, and you're listening on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. It's Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. I'm Ezra Wall filling in for Kevin Farrell today. Uh, With me today are Dr. Troy Major, who's the veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, Libby Hartfield, who is the retired director of the Mississippi State Parks and also of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Kevin Farrell's out this week. Our guest is Dr. Kathy Shropshire, the retired director of the Mississippi Wildlife (laughs) Federation. And so we have the we have the the directors emerite with us today. It's a it's going to be a fun day on Creature Comforts today, and you can join in to all the fun by calling us 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. If a phone is not handy, you can send us an email to animals at mpbonline.org. And here's a quick tip. If you miss the show or if you want to hear something from the show again today, uh, you've got another chance. It repeats on Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. So me and the dog can listen to it on our walk. So that'll be fun. Today we're talking uh, on the pet side of things. We're talking about determining what uh, the right kind of pet is for your household and the specific uh, the specific conditions in your home, uh, depending on how many children you have, whether you live alone or with other people, whether there are other animals in the house, whether you might be just better off having a goldfish, or whether you can handle the uh, the bull mastiff. So uh, give us a call if you have questions about that. And we're also finding out all about the life of Fanny Cook. So that'll be an interesting discussion, and that's what uh, what uh, Kathy's here to talk to us uh, about as well. Uh, first of all, we we always start out the, the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science is such a wonderful resource for uh, n- not only the community uh, in Central Mississippi here where I live, uh, but also uh, throughout Mississippi, people traveling to come and see the museum uh, all the time. So, Libby, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on this week at the Mississippi Museum of okay. Natural Science? And I will mention too, since you gave a perfect intro for that, is that the museum does also travel all over the state. Oh, good. There are educators that live in all sections of the state, and they work with schools and scout troops and all kinds of fun things like that. And what's going on, of course, this great weather is um, 
a promotion for the nature trails. Oh, yes. If you need a nice place it's to walk. It's finally cool enough to go outside ever. Go, Yeah, go to the museum or to LaFleur's Bluff and walk on those trails. This is just perfect weather for it. Friday, that's tomorrow. 10 a.m. is a fish feeding, and if you've not seen the oh, fish that sounds like fed, fun. It is great fun. You need to run over there one day, Ezra. And it, Tuesday morning's actually two, but Friday's the closest one coming up. 10 a.m. Okay. and then again on Saturday at 10 o'clock and two o'clock there'll be a creature feature, and that is whatever of the in-house wildlife, like the gopher tortoise or okay. the pine snake or whoever is in a really good mood tomorrow morning okay. or probably, or Saturday morning, <laughs> I'll probably get to, to meet the visitors. So that's a fun time. You usually get to touch something. Oh, fun. Or at least get really up close and, and learn all about them. So that's great fun for adults and kids. And then on Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock, there'll be a diver in one of the large aquariums. Oh, wow. Mississippi Sound or the Pearl River. And that's fun too. Oh, that's amazing! I know. I've, every time I've been to the museum, I've had such a great time. Um, I have I have younger siblings, and they come to visit me. And in particular, the the youngest of my brothers is sixteen now. But when he was little, like seven or eight or whatever, mm-hmm. we came to the museum and had a great time uh, visiting. And then and then a few years ago, he was coming back, and and uh, I asked him what he might like to do. And I thought he might be getting a little bit old for that that kind of thing. And he said, No, I'd I'd like to go back to the Mississippi. Museum of Natural Science. So we've been there several times and have had a great time every time. Well, what I think we've been doing this show for eight years. Yeah, eight, and you eight were years, our first producer. I, yeah, I, I was. Uh, or one I was, of the. Yeah, I was the, the first, first producer yeah. of this show, and and uh, yeah, so th- this is kind of full circle for me coming yes, back to, yes, yes. to fill in. So oh no, there, all right. There's one other event I've got to mention oh, because it's why Dr. Shropshire's with <laughs> us today. Uh, the first Tuesday of every month, the museum has a naturalist lecture, and I guess I use the word lecture sort of reluctantly because it's it's not a boring lecture ever. It's always lots of fun. And Kathy, it's going to be particularly fun this time. Kathy is going to be doing a one-woman show, and she's going to be Miss Cook. Oh, wonderful. So it's lots of fun. She gets in character and stays in character. And, um, I, you know, I never got the privilege of meeting Miss Cook. No, but when I see so. Kathy do it, and she looks like all the pictures <laughs> and all the, the funny stories I've heard about Miss Cook. So I'm convinced. Uh, well, yeah. Throughout the show today, we're going to learn more about about the, the life of Fanny Cook and, uh, and, and exactly what her role has been in Mississippi and in uh, learning about and preserving its its uh, the you know the the natural scientific uh, world, uh, but but just just to sort of wet our whistle a little bit, talk about the 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 time that she lived. What what sort of, what era are we talking okay, about? To set the stage, I guess eighteen eighty nine. She was born. Okay, she died in sixty uh, four. Okay. She retired as director in 58, but she continued to work. She was, you know, at the museum writing her book and doing lots of stuff. But okay. Kathy will get into more of those details. That's That sounds wonderful, and, and we can't wait to hear about that. And Dr. Major is here talking all about uh, your pets. So if, you have, uh, if you're wondering why the dog pees on everything or... <laughs> Why the cat eats everything, or vice versa, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Dr. Major, the weather has cooled off at least for a couple of days. Uh, What's it going to take to kill these fleas that haven't died in two or three years? 
I don't think you can. You can't. You can't. It's, I, what it, if it gets really? What if we have winter this year? Would well, it can slow it down. Certainly, okay. fleas that are outside. Of course, a lot of people have a resident colony in their house, so they they're quite comfortable uh, feeding on animals, etc. Yeah. But uh, the outside, I suspect we have to have freezing weather for several days consistently uh, for that to take effect outside. But it does slow it down. Right now, the, all the insects, especially fleas, uh, are undergoing a boom, uh, I guess, in anticipation of, uh, of winter. Uh, fleas don't let up really here in Mississippi. Uh, we do see some slow down in the wintertime, especially if it gets colder. Mm-hmm. But to tell you that uh, we're going to have a flea-free spring next year if we have cold weather, probably not. So so when the weather cools down, uh, not so much worried about that, but more just take advantage of the cool weather and get outside with the, with the animals that enjoy the outside. Absolutely. And remember that ticks are uh, very viable. And, okay. Uh, we have a lot of deer in this area. Uh, a lot of ticks uh, associated with that or with cattle. Uh, so there are always possibilities for ticks. seems to be year-round. So uh, it, for ticks, I've heard so many uh, things about how to get how to get rid of them. What's the, what's the best way to make sure that you're getting all of them and they're not hiding under ears and under tails and under different <laughs> right. things? Well, a lot of times the, the dog or cat, now cats are pretty cool. They, they usually keep the ticks picked off. Usually, if we have a cat that comes in that has ticks on it, it's sick for some other reason. Okay. Uh, they usually groom themselves well enough to keep the ticks off. Dogs, mm-hmm. on the other hand, uh, can be almost covered with ticks. Uh, but there are some different types of uh, medications that can uh, prevent ticks. Uh, some of them are topical. Some of them are oral. But uh, they, if you're in an area where there are ticks, it's wise to use something that can help with that. All right. We are uh, visiting today with, uh, in addition to Dr. Troy Major uh, and Libby Hartfield, Dr. Kathy Shropshire is here. She's uh, retired as the director of the Mississippi. Uh, hold on. I've got it up here. The, <laughs> help me. Is it the Mississippi Wildlife Federation? <laughs> right. I lost right. it on my script. Oh, I didn't right. want to say it incorrectly. But but you're here, uh, even more importantly, talking about um, Fanny Cook today. So tell us a little bit about who Fanny Cook was and what Miss Cook's uh, role was uh, at, the, at the Science Museum. Well, she grew up up in um, Kapow County in Crystal Springs. Okay. She went to uh, Mississippi University for Women and majored in history and English and taught for several years and then ended up in Washington, D.C., where she got with uh, George Washington University and started to major in ornithology. Came back to Mississippi and realized that we had a really bad state of affairs here in about the 1920s. There was... Uh, uh, no Game and Fish Commission, there was a lot of market hunting, there was overhunting, there was misuse of property, and she decided to do something about it. So here she was, a, a lady in her you know, 30s in Mississippi that said, you know, we need a Game and Fish Commission. We're the only state that doesn't have one, and we need to, to have one. So she took it upon herself and worked for six years to get the support she needed to get legislation passed to get the Game and Fish Commission established. So prior to that point, it was pretty much an environmental free-for-all. Pretty Well, the, the counties had wardens, okay. and some they could enforce laws, 
but you can imagine how, you know, 84 different, <laughs> right. different uh, regions would handle that. So yeah. it didn't handle it very well because there was a lot of poaching and overhunting and that sort of thing. And okay. So, yeah. So, um, so she did man- they did manage to create the Game and Fish Commission in 1932, and she was the first biologist that was hired. Um, and began immediately to try to to get more information about the natural resources in Mississippi because prior to that, too, there had been very little work done in Mississippi, unlike some other states. There was just very little, um, few publications out there. So she began to gather that information, and then, um, you know, she continued to work for the next 30 years. <laughs> so as we can see all the work that's done by, by wildlife fisheries and parks and, and, and by the Museum of Natural Science and enjoy the, the exhibits or the educational presentations or the, uh, the assistance that we've gotten from, from various wildlife officers uh, over the years, in, in a large part, we, we have Miss Cook to thank Absolutely. for a lot of this. I mean, she, you know, she, everybody, you know, you read the information and she was the spearhead behind it and she was the, the first person to start uh, game laws and uh, newsletters and began the museum and, uh, after she led the um, Works Project Administration Program, which is a, a whole nother <laughs> aspect of her well, good. experience. Good. We'll find out more from uh, Dr. Shropshire about uh, Ms. Cook's life and uh, work here in Mississippi. We're taking your calls at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. We have Brendan, who's called in from Gulfport. Brendan, how is life on the coast today? Uh, it's a lot cooler than usual. <laughs> That's it, here as well. Here as well. What's your question this morning? Uh, so I, I heard you mention something about uh, dogs peeing everywhere, and that got me to call uh, a <laughs> situation I have. Um, so I have three little tiny dogs, and um, one of them is really good about going outside. I have a little doggy door that it'll use. And then my other two dogs just refuse to go out. You actually have to push them out the door to go and use the bathroom some days they're fine and then other days it's it's like they're it, they just won't go out there and i'm trying to figure out if uh, there there would be an obvious reason as to why right uh are these dogs uh rescues or are they dogs that you've had for a while or uh two of them uh were we got them as puppies and then my third one it's uh it's about a 12 year old uh dog and it's a it's a rescue but um yeah it's it would be I guess different if all three of them had the same problem, but right. it's the two two of them have an issue, and then the other one is perfectly fine, and it goes out every time, no problem. Right. I guess as long as there's no medical reason, i.e. a urinary tract infection or something like that, which it sounds like this is more, uh, what shall I say, ingrained in them that they don't want to go outside. Have yeah, you tr- it seems like a personality thing, and <laughs> definitely one of them. Have you tried any of the pads, the pee pads, I guess they call them? I have. So they have, I guess they have spots that they regularly will have accidents. Right. And I've put the pads down there, and they'll purposely avoid them. I okay. don't know what it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, it becomes difficult, and I get, do these dogs have the run of the house? Um, kind of, uh, but I try to, you know, make sure there's a... Um, well, I don't know what you mean by run of the house. Exactly. Well, are they? do they go on carpet, I guess is my question. Um, yeah, so we originally had carpet, and it was really nasty, and we right. pulled that up, and we noticed that they will try to go on carpet whenever possible, right. and they don't really like to go on the hardwood that we have. Okay. 
This is one of the things that once it gets ingrained in them, it's very difficult. The carpet feels a whole lot better than wet, cold grass, obviously. And uh, as far as the older dog, it's going to be very difficult to uh, to do a whole lot. I would try to get them all out at the same time uh, outside. Uh, you may have tried this, and I would confine them to an area, whether it's the kitchen or someplace that's tile, and really work it. And the other thing, do the, if you kennel them, would they urinate in the kennel? No, they won't. I don't okay. think we've ever had an issue with that. Well, I think I would suggest kenneling them and take them out. Just They're small. Literally carry them out uh, when you let them out and shut that door where they can't come back in. Until uh, they've been out there for a while, just you have to try to retrain them. I wish I could give you better information, but okay. it, well, that's, uh, that's it, certainly something I haven't tried yet. Right, so tr- try that and see if that will help. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks so much. You take care. Bye bye. Thank you very much for the call, Brandon. And and uh, in a couple of weeks, once you've tried it, let us know how it works. If you, you know, go ahead, Doctor Major. You know, this is one of the main reasons that. Uh, Dogs and cats are put up for adoption is house soiling, whether it's urination, defecation. Uh, a lot of people will simply say, hey, I can't stand it anymore, and put these animals up for adoption, which is sad. Uh, there are things online possibly that can help. My main thing is young dogs especially respond, and cats. Cats usually go to a litter box, okay? Unless there's a medical problem, they will usually go to a litter box. Remember the old rule of one litter box per cat plus one. So if you've got six cats, it gets to be a problem uh, to have that many litter boxes, obviously. But if you've got six cats, you've probably got one that's urinating out of the litter box or defecating out of the litter box, especially if you only have one or two. With puppies, crate training is probably the best uh, option. Uh, And usually, after they get a little aged, they will not urinate or defecate in their crate or pen. Our kennel, I guess, would be the best way to put it. And strict uh, observation of getting them outside after eating, usually within 15 minutes or so, they will defecate and possibly urinate. So there's there's ample uh, information online about crate training, and uh, I sure hope that uh, that helps with Brendan. Good advice, and thank you very much. If you have questions, uh, either uh, questions or comments about uh, the life of uh, Fanny Cook, which we're talking about today, or uh, questions for Dr. Major about your pets and the animals in and around your home, you can give us a call at 877-672-7464. That's 877-MPB-RING. Of course, you can send your emails to animals at mpbonline.org. We have some emails we're going to get to after the break. We'll do that right after this. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, featuring a 100,000-gallon aquarium, 300 acres of natural landscapes, and two and a half miles of walking trails. Information on exhibits and special events at msnaturalscience.org. 
There's a lot to be discovered about Mississippi. Like the little-known places you can visit on a Mississippi road trip. Or where to find a local brewery for a unique experience. Every Friday morning at 10, we take you on an hour-long journey through Mississippi. It's music, cuisine, culture, and history. And you never know where our next stop will be. I'm Mary Margaret Miller. And I'm Sharia Brent. Be sure to join us Friday mornings at 10 for Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, it's Creature Comforts, uh, the show all about your animals and the animals all around you. I'm Ezra Wall. I'm filling in for Kevin Farrell today, who's off celebrating his birthday, so I'm sure he'll have... (laughs) Plenty of plenty of tales. He's 25 again, I hear. Uh, plenty of tales next week when he returns. Get it, tales? Because creature covers. Uh-huh. There we go. Where's my rim shot, Jonas? It's in the shop. I apologize. Okay. I'll do better. <laughs> Thank you. We're here today with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield and our guest, Dr. Kathy Shropshire. Kathy uh, is talking about the life of Fanny Cook. Let me, let me ask you this. How is it that you became interested in Miss <laughs> Cook as sort of a subject for your own uh, creative output? Well, let's see. I, I worked at the Natural Science Museum. Uh-huh. Um, for years, and so that's how I became interested in Miss Cook, is because you know her her influence was everywhere in the museum. This was back at the museum that was on Jefferson Street, and so that's where I first realized, you know, that this person existed and what she had done. And then several years ago, a friend of ours, Robbie Fisher, was uh, producing a, a movie on the Gulf Islands. And she asked me if I would be Fanny Cook for that movie. And it was an unspeaking position. In fact, that's an MPB production. That's, that's right. an MPB yes. production. Yeah, we've yes. all right. seen that many times. Yes. Yeah. Well, so I, all I had to do was just sort of be there, you know, dressed up and, you know, be on the porch. And um, so I guess that sort of piqued my interest. And then um, Nicole Smith at the Natural Science Museum asked me if I'd be interested in trying to do something with a Fanny Cook character. And stupid me said, sure, I'll do that. Well, no problem. <laughs> so this has been pretty, in recent years, you've really uh, taken the character on as, as far as something that you actually have done in, in public, like with, well, with yeah, dialogue and everything like that. <laughs> right, I've done it twice. I yeah. did it at the museum and I did it at the um, Mississippi um, uh, Wildlife Society meeting a couple of weeks ago. Because okay. people, you know, that was at Mississippi State, and biologists, you know, the new people who come into the, to the state don't know, students don't know about Fanny Cook. So it's just an opportunity to try to, to get her story out there because she was such an important person in for natural resources in Mississippi. Yeah. And this will be this coming Tuesday at noon at the Natural Science Museum. Okay, so Kathy's going to do it. The, yeah. This particular presentation, the non-lecture. The non-lecture. Yes. Yeah. I'm not, I won't lecture. <laughs> Fanny will not lecture Tuesday you. Now you should, well, I can't say that. She might actually <laughs> lecture a little bit. Let me ask you that just uh, some... I think she does do this. She does, yeah. She, she wags her, she she her finger a little bit? She does okay. sometimes. Let me, let me ask you this, Libby. Uh, regarding, the, yes. regarding the lectures, uh, what, what about uh, admission or anything like that? Do, we, do people need to purchase... A, Museum admission. If you're a member of the museum, it's free, and if you're not, you do pay admission. But you can do everything else with that admission too. Okay, and the way and the way you do that, do you do that at the at the guard shack on the entrance to the park? Now or do you, you just, do it inside the building. So you just tell them at the guard shack, I'm going to the museum, mm-hmm. and they'll let you through, and you go to the museum and pay your admission. That's right. 
Okay. Okay. Very good. We've got some more questions uh, on the line. Let's go first to uh, Julie, uh, who is uh, in Biloxi. Julie, what's your question this morning? Um, I have a, com- a question. I have two small breed dogs, a Boston Terrier and a Shih Tzu, that are ninety percent in the house. We do let them. We live on a river, and we do let them outside to um, do their business and stuff. My my question is, what about flea and tick coverage? I heard someone mention several months ago about they used uh, a three-month product. I think it was Comfortus or something uh, on their dogs. And I was just wondering, because they mostly stay inside, even though they do roam, maybe once or twice, probably twice a day, I just was questioning about what I should be giving them. Well, you've got your dogs on heartworm preventive, right? Yes, yes. And what preventive do you use uh, for that? Trifexis. Okay. Now, Trifexis is very effective against fleas, but it doesn't do anything for, for the ticks. Uh, oh. The, uh, the one they were talking about, the three-month pill, is called Brevecto, B-R-V-E-C-T-O, and it does last for three months. And is currently, I don't see any resistance with fleas from that product. Uh, and it also uh, prevents ticks. There are other products. There's one product that is used, uh, which is a topical. Uh, uh-huh. I'll say the name of it. It's Vectra. And it prevents fleas, ticks, and also kills mosquitoes. So it's uh, your vet probably has that. It's relatively new, not not totally new. I'm using it on my large dog and small dog because of the possibility of ticks even though they are on other preventive for heartworms so that's a possibility it is a monthly preventive <clears throat> as opposed to uh, a three month there are others as well but uh, those are the ones that I have recommended okay topical is Vector VEC V-E-C-T-R-A the other is uh, Brevecto which is strictly fleas and ticks and it does that for three months. Okay. Okay. That's, uh, Provecta. B as in boy. B R A. Provecta. Provecta. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate the information. You're welcome. Thank you very much for the call, Julie. And uh, continuing on the phone lines, if you'd like to join us, it's 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Mikey is calling from Mobile. Always glad to talk to our friends from Alabama. How's it going this morning, Mikey? Oh, it's beautiful this morning, the weather-wise. I mean, wow, what a final break. (laughs) Wonderful. What's your question this morning? Uh, My question is regarding... um, how to avoid hurting someone else's animal before they really hurt mine. Um, uh, I have a, a small dog, very much like uh, Dr. Troy's uh, JW, um, but younger. And yesterday, the neighbor's lab, who is also looks like a younger dog, um, uh, but he towers over him. Um, he was snarling, growling, with hackles up. When I heard my, I was 20 feet away pruning a water oak, and I heard my dog scream and yelp and uh, looked over to see what was going on. Um, my question is, um, I have unusual circumstances here. It's not a normal kind of a yard. Labradors love water. Um, this is bordered by water and wetlands. 
um, will human urine um, poured into the areas where the dog might enter deter his interest over here? I would have or to def- any other ideas, yeah. Yeah. please. I don't want to hurt either dog. Right. I would have to defer to somebody that has more experience than that, but I would think that probably not. It might even encourage marking by uh, other other dogs. But I, I really don't know how you're going to be able to do this to prevent this dog from coming in. Maybe cooperation with the neighbor. Uh, I, I just I don't. I tried that. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Okay. Uh, Gosh, I would have to, again, defer to somebody that might have a repellent that wouldn't affect your dog or, you know, cause harm to the other dog, but cause, you know, to be repelled. Uh, There are products, but uh, I'm not familiar with them. And maybe some listener can help us with that. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. If uh, if you know something uh, something about this or have some advice or some experience in this area that uh, Mikey and Dr. Major have been talking about, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. We'll bump you to the front of the line and uh, get that advice on the air. So give us a call if you uh, know a little something about that at 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. We're talking today with Dr. Kathy Shropshire uh, about the life of uh, Fanny Cook, uh, who was instrumental in the in the founding of the uh, Wildlife Department and the Museum of Natural Science and all kinds of things here in Mississippi, it strikes me that in her era, it must not have been very common for women to be politically active in that way and to actually push the legislature into uh, starting new government agencies and things like that. What what did she have to go through to get that legislative legislative right. action underway? She, she went through six years okay. of, of unpaid work to get that wow. done. And she created the Mississippi Association for the Conservation of Wildlife. Okay. And through that organization, she pulled together state agencies, nonprofits, hanging fishing clubs, garden clubs, American Legion, Federation of Women's Clubs, individuals, legislators, media. Anybody she could get on her bandwagon, and she must have been quite persuasive. <laughs> so a personal passion, and uh, and then there's no, there's no there's no end to what one person can do to change the right. world, right? And then, but of course, as you started out, so she helps pass this legislation, gets mm-hmm. that on the books, but she's not hired as is director of the agency because she's a female and she realizes that's probably not really going to work. So she says, well, you know, I'd like to be director of research or education. And so she is hired, not at that position, but she, that's when she is hired as to work for the agency. Okay. So, you know, women in the early 1930s worked in museums all over the country and at the Mm -hmm. Smithsonian institution. And there were biologists, there were women who were involved in conservation, but, Rarely at that level. Very and, interesting. You know, maybe the saddest part about that, we have the letters where she's told that she can pick what job she wants at the new agency. Mm-hmm. But, and then we have these letters from men who are her friends who say, 
don't be executive director. You'll hurt the thing that you've just created. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So she mm-hmm. it's possible that she could have been that first executive yeah. director. But everybody said that's not a good idea. And mm-hmm. she realized it wasn't, too, because the truth is it probably wasn't a good idea at mm-hmm. the time. Interesting of her to mm-hmm. choose which which was more important, the yeah. the uh, yeah. ad- advancement of, yeah. of uh, her own personal interest in, mm-hmm. in that thing or, or, or the actual establishment of the agency. But then I guess as fate would intervene, uh, all those first executive directors didn't last long because it okay. became a very political job. Yeah. So, you know, three or four years mm-hmm. was probably kind yeah, of what they would do. Yeah. Some of them less than that even. And, of course, then she stayed on until mm-hmm. until she was. That, that's the other yeah. kind of cool thing. <laughs> they had forced retirement at that time. When you got 70, mm-hmm. you couldn't work anymore. Okay. So she wanted mm-hmm. to stay, but she couldn't. But she couldn't, yeah. All right. but, but her passion, I think, was, well, she, she loved the outdoors and she loved the biology, but I think yeah. her passion was education. So okay. she ended up in, I think, the, the perfect place to make a real impact in the state. Well, that's, that's wonderful. We'll hear more about the life of Fanny Cook coming up in just a moment. We'll also take your questions at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Creature Comforts, a quick time out, and we're back. I'm Ezra Wall filling in for Kevin Farrell. Libby Hartfield is here. Dr. Troy Major is here. Dr. Kathy Shropshire is here. And we'll be back with more Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi Public Broadcasting comes from the Delta Entrepreneurship Network. Hosting the Delta Challenge Pitch Competition September 29th at the University of Mississippi. Information and registration at dra.gov slash entrepreneur. Coming up this week on MPB's At Issues, texting and driving. It's a problem across the nation. Has the cell phone below the windows, which makes it even worse because you're having to look down. Traffic crashes are causing thousands of deaths. That could cost not just your life, but anyone else's life. Mississippi has a law banning texting and driving, but is the law working? Are your officers writing tickets for texting and driving? No. We take a closer look at texting and driving on At Issue this Friday at 7.30 p.m. on MPB TV. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. It's Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, and uh, and uh, you can call and join the show by dialing 877-MPB-RING. Does anybody dial anymore? 877-672-7464, or email animals at mpbonline.org. We're here with uh, Libby Hartfield, who is the uh, retired director of this, the uh, Mississippi State Parks and uh, was longtime the director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're here with Dr. Kathy Shropshire, who is the retired director of 
the Mississippi Wildlife Federation, and uh, we're glad that she's here talking about uh, Fanny Cook and her life and influence here in Mississippi. And we're here with Dr. Troy Major, who is uh, one of the wonderful veterinarians at the uh, Animal Medical Center uh, of Jackson, where I spend about half of my life with all of my little furry children. So, so we're here taking your calls and your questions and talking about Fanny Cook. We're back on the phones uh, to uh, Memphis, where Kirk has a question about uh, a cat with an eye infection. Kirk, tell us about it. Uh, I have a uh, cat that uh, disappeared for a couple of days, and when she came home, she has this mucus over her eye. Well, it kind of cleared up after the first day, but her eye looks like it's kind of sitting cockeyed in there, and the, and the mucus is most most of the mucus is still gone, is gone, but there's still some some there. And at night, you shine the light in, in that eye, and it's it's reflecting light, but it's still it's not it looks like it's not sitting in the socket right. good. Is eye swollen? Uh, not really. It's just okay. that mucus is, and right. it looks like she's trying to see around that mucus. Right. She's got her eye cocked. I'll take a damp tissue, a gauze sponge with some eye wash on it, and keep that clean. However, uh, if the cornea itself, in other words, central part of the eye is glassy or has some scratch on it, you uh-huh. really need to get the cat into a vet and let him look okay. at it. Well, that's I, what I was planning on doing right. this afternoon. I believe I so. I'm concerned that she might have gotten bumped uh, or in a fight or something like that. Yeah, so. and she she took off about two days when right. she came back. That's well, what happened. So good luck, uh, good luck with that. But I do think you need to get in to see the vet with that. Okay. Okay. Thank Take you. Care. Now, cats also have they have that like that extra that internal eyelid or something like that, don't they? They have what's called a nicotating membrane. It's the third eyelid. Okay. Uh, what we normally call it, a third eyelid, and actually. A lot of times those eyelids will uh, protrude, cover part of the eye itself, uh, for no apparent reason. A lot of times if a cat has a temperature or is sick, it'll also come up. So that's a good point. Okay. Uh, I I know that happened with uh, one of my cats disappeared for a couple of days and came back uh, much the worse for wear. And that that was one of the issues with him is he had his eye wouldn't open all the way. It was... Right. It was uh, interesting, but, you know, got that taken care of, and there we go. Uh, but uh, we're talking to uh, Dr. Kathy Shropshire today about uh, about uh, the life of uh, Fanny Cook. So uh, uh, according to the, the research that was done on my behalf, I won't claim any of it, <laughs> during the Depression uh, in the 1930s, there were federal programs, uh, you know, providing work for different people, the Triple C and so on. Uh, tell us about the, the program that Fanny Cook was in charge of. Okay. Um, the WPA approached the agency, wanted to know if they had a program that would put people to work. People okay. were, you know, needing jobs. And yep. so she had had a long time wished to have a statewide plant and animal survey. Back in the 20s, she envisioned this to to get a handle on what was going on in Mississippi. And so that was the proposal that she made to them, is that they do a statewide plant and animal survey. She got the colleges and junior colleges on board. And through that program, she established 18 museums throughout the state, mostly in colleges and junior colleges, but also in some high schools. And put people, you know, put people to work as collectors and artists and photographers and um, carpenters and taxidermists and, you know, hundreds of people were given jobs through this program, which 
I don't know, Libby, is there another one like that out there? Because there were a lot of, you know, people that did the history of Mississippi during that time, did uh, photography. Eudora Welty did the photography program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now, and I was told once that her WPA project was one of the largest in the state. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the state parks were doing WPA Mm -hmm. work, you know, building parks and all those might have been a bigger project, mm-hmm. but hers was, she had several hundred people. Oh, yeah. I think at the tide of it, mm-hmm. there were 500 people working for her. And you got to remember, this was a time when a lot of correspondence was done and you didn't, you picked up the phone some, but you did a lot of it by letter. So there is a wealth of letters at we archives. Have, yes, <laughs> probably thousands of letters. From, it's amazing yeah. how much material. That, but from that, all these collections were out there, and that was the, formed the basis for the Natural Science Museum that we have now. Mm-hmm. When, she, when that program ended, she wanted to establish a state museum here in Jackson. And she did that. And uh, Dr. Major was speaking offline earlier about actually meeting Miss Cook at, at the first museum that she yeah, started. Yeah, tell us about the time you met Miss Cook. Yes, that was interesting. I really can't tell you the year, but it would have been in the 50s. Uh, Don't age myself too much. But anyway, (laughs) it was at the museum that was at the old... uh, Asylum. uh, Asylum, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mother uh, knew Miss Cook, and I think we made a couple of trips there. Uh, just and really, she kind of gave us a personal tour and and talked. And I think that's one reason I went into some sort of uh, animal work. Uh, I consider myself a kind of a semi-naturalist in more ways than one, but uh, and being a veterinarian, it was a choice that I made because of working with animals. But truly, uh, she was a remarkable person. I, I can remember enjoying that, and she very graciously showed us around uh, the museum. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I've heard other stories like that. Libby probably has, too, people that yeah. that went there and remembered her and had an influence on it. She, she worked with scouts. She, was a, she helped them with their nature badges and she was strict. But she, <laughs> she made sure they knew what they were supposed to learn from the nature badges. But she had an influence not only in the scientific field, but in education and with young people. And Yeah, one of her great nephews has told me a story about he, he was going before her with his badge and she let him know that <laughs> he was going to be treated just like every other Boy Scout. So he said he was a little bit nervous because he thought it would be very embarrassing in his troop if he didn't pass the badge. <laughs> But uh, he did. <laughs> well, I think in, in this, and, and not that any of this is inappropriate, but in this area of deepened understanding of the psychological needs of young people and all of this sort of thing, I think all of us can point to somebody who didn't care a whit for any of that and who uh, who uh, expected a lot of us, and that's how that's why we rose to the occasion yeah. and, and performed for them. So it sounds like Miss Cook might have been provided that influence right. for, for people. I don't, you know, I don't get the impression that she was a, like a terribly warm and fuzzy person. Mm-hmm. She was, but people respected her and she did have a sense of humor and she, but she cared, you know, deeply about mm-hmm. the things that mattered to her. Yeah. Because she would be like, all right, we we found correspondence. Evidently, she was kind of the go-to. She was who everybody knew in Mississippi from a scientific angle. So we got letters from all the really the good scientists of the day that would write her if they needed a specimen. Roger Conant, who wrote all the the reptile books, and he was the director of the zoo in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. But he also, you know, was writing books about snakes and very well known all over the world. So we've got letters. Back and forth between the two of them, and he was getting her to collect live snakes 
put them on the train and send them to Philadelphia. Oh, wow. So she's doing that, at the, and then the next day she'd be taking Boy Scouts out burden. You know, wow. she was just into everything. That's, right. That's amazing. We're back on the phones where you can join us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. We're headed to Meridian, and tell me if I'm saying your name right. Is it Delane? Yes. Delane, what's your question this morning? Yes, I have a question about an older aging horse. He's 21, but he seems to be losing weight fairly rapidly. And uh, I started feeding him in a large uh, Rubbermaid cart, which seems to help. But I still want to know if there's anything else I can do for him to help him retain weight and put on a little extra weight. Sure. One of the things that happens a lot of times, and you may have already done this, but one of the things that happens a lot of times with the older horse is the teeth. Uh, if you haven't had the teeth checked, they may need to be, quote, floated. When you float teeth, you actually smooth off spurs. I don't know if you ever see this horse dropping food out of its mouth, but there may be a dental problem that needs to be attended to. And, of course, uh, it goes without saying that older horses certainly still need to be uh, taken care of from the standpoint of parasites and uh a good, a good routine checkup would be good just to see about the dental issues and uh, a good quality food, which you're probably feeding. Okay? I'm feeding, I'm feeding a 16% right now. Right. Is there any other uh, supplements feeding-wise that I could use? There are some supplements. Uh, I, I'm not doing large animal work right now, but there are supplements that can be given that would uh, help both a vitamin-type supplement and something that would help from the standpoint of possibly putting some more weight on. But do have those teeth checked out if you hadn't had that, because it is a common problem with the older horse. I haven't done that in a while, so I certainly will do that. Thank you very much for your help. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Delane. We appreciate it very much. If you'd like to join the program, there's still time. 877-MPB-RING is the number. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email animals at mpbonline.org. We'll take a couple more questions to get some more information about how you can see uh, Dr. Kathy Shropshire as Fanny Cook. And uh, we'll do all that right after this on MPB Think Radio. and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. In the 1970s, Studs Terkel traveled the country asking ordinary Americans how they feel about their work. Look, we tire, we sweat, we have hangovers, we have upset stomachs, we have feelings, emotions, and... We're not about to be placed in a category of a machine. I'm Ari Shapiro. We continue our series, Working Then and Now, later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is MPB Think Radio, and you're listening to Creature Comforts. Uh, I'm Ezra Wall, filling in for Kevin Farrell today. I'm here with Dr. Troy Major of the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, uh, Libby Hartfield, uh, formerly of the uh, of the uh, State Parks and of the Mississippi Museum for Natural Science, and still very involved over there, and Dr. Kathy Shropshire, who is uh, formerly of the Mississippi Wildlife Federation uh, and uh, is appearing as Miss Fanny Cook, whom we've been talking about this hour. Uh, on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, at a noontime uh, presentation at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. And uh, we are, uh, before we go back to the phones, we're headed to Brandon and talk, to talk to Sandra in just a second. Uh, we had a call earlier where there was a, a, a neighbor dog invading someone's property and, and could potentially uh, uh, show some aggression toward a smaller dog that they owned, and they were wondering what to do and everything. We got some advice that that person should check Wikipedia, which sounds a lot to me like, hey, Google it. So uh, I don't know if that's uh, something that they've tried uh, that uh, might be might be a worthwhile place to look but you know dr major about what do you find on the internet you can you can be sure that it at least came from the internet true and there are some good things there and there are also some things that uh probably strictly opinion and it may work one time and it may not work a thousand times so i always take what you read with with a grain of salt Uh, i guess that's an old statement but just uh, be careful but there may be some good advice. I'm going to look that up after we get off the show. Yes, indeed. For now, we're headed back to the phone lines where Sandra has been holding on from Brandon. Sandra, good morning, and how are you? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks for calling. What's your question today? Uh, Dr. Major. Yes. I have a male, Jack Russell, that's about eight years old, and he's mostly just a uh, lap dog now. Okay. Very docile. My son moved in with us, and he has a a two-and-a-half-year-old female pug. They get along fine, play together fine, except when they eat. She will not allow him to eat on the floor. She will attack him if he tries to eat. Okay. I have to feed him in my lap. Okay. (laughs) She moved in on his territory. Exactly, and she's being defensive or defensively aggressive, I guess. I don't know how to exactly word that, but she doesn't want any, any part of him around her food. Uh, maybe other than your lap, if you can put his food in another room or somewhere. Uh, but uh, this is a common problem. And there are probably three things that uh, I see where uh, dogs that are supposed to be, that know each other, for example, uh, have uh, issues over. And some of these fights, they can get into some pretty detailed fights. Uh, one is jealousy. Some dogs really hate for you to be petting the other dog, uh, this sort of thing, so you have to be careful there. Food is a big factor. And then uh, dominance, whether it's alpha female or whatever, uh, these things can all cause some altercations at home. So I would suggest, if you can, figure out a way to feed him separately from her. Okay. 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 Take care. Thank you. We might be able to squeeze in a couple more phone calls if you've got a question or a comment at 877-MPB-RING. That's 
six four. We're uh, we're talking uh, to Dr. Kathy Shropshire about uh, about uh, uh, Miss Fanny Cook and about Dr. Shropshire's portrayal of Miss Fanny Cook. Uh, I have a question for you, just from a from a from a dramatic point of view, or 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 whatever. Uh, tell me how how is it that you that you found kind of those personality aspects that uh, from from somebody who's not necessarily uh, we don't have. You know, lots of videos of her. She's right. not on YouTube, something no. like that. How do you put a personality together for that? Well, <laughs> I, I looked at pictures and then okay. I looked at what people said about her uh-huh. and what she said. And I tried to pull from that. Uh, B.E. Gandy was the museum director, knew Miss Cook, and he had told stories about her. And there are um, some um, histories that the um, people that uh, Wiley Pruitt made back in the 70s, 80s. No, yeah, I guess the, the 80s, 80s. Yeah. Um, where people told stories about Miss Cook. And so taking those, you kind of got an impression of what she must have been like. And uh, there's, you know, there's a little bit of information out there, but you, you just kind of have to just take a stab at it. You know, I'm hoping mm-hmm. that maybe somebody like, you know, uh, Dr. Major, who's seen that had met her and, and, you know, maybe there'll be people at the presentation that can tell me, yeah, that that's like what she would have done or no, you didn't get it right at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and at a certain point, it becomes portraying historical figures. That is, it becomes a little bit of uh, not necessarily an impersonation of the person, but, but more like what, what parts of their, of, uh, what what do I have to make this personality like to convey what's necessary to understand right, about them? Right, and I, you know I tried to take her words, but sometimes her words and my words, it, it, I'm not her. Don't work very well <laughs> together. They don't work yeah. well, but you know as much as possible, those are exactly the words that she wrote or said. So we have uh, we have a couple of people holding on the phone. Let's try to get to uh, at least one of them. We've got Gladys from Jackson. Gladys, what's your question today? Oh, my comment is on uh, how to break up that dog fight or stop whatever's going on. Okay. Uh, we had a neighbor's dog that would come up and visit, and uh, they would fight, and, of course, the neighbor would try to get the dog. Well, I found it just simply with senses it was a standoff now, you know, just looking at each other. Okay. Uh, I sprayed my water hose between them, and it seemed to change their mind. They didn't want to fight, and they both went home. <laughs> go. The water hose may be the solution to all of it. We appreciate the call, Gladys. Thank you very much. Uh, We have come to the end of our time together this morning. I sure have enjoyed being with everyone. Uh, Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, and the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Funding is provided in part by the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science Foundation and contributions from listeners like you, and thank you very much. To hear today's show or previous shows, visit mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts. You can also download the MPB Public Radio app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Today's show was produced by Jonas Adams. Our call screener is Sharita Brent. For Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and Dr. Kathy Shropshire, I'm Ezra Wall. Thankfully, Kevin Farrell will be back next week. Up next at 10 o'clock, it's Season Pass with Jay White and Sam Wells. Tune in next Thursday at 9 or this Saturday morning at 6 for Creature Comforts right here on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.